everybody. Welcome to the City Girls Pod. And this is the show where we are talking about the Sex in the City show. And we are on season four, episodes 10, 11, and 12. And when I say that these are mature topic episodes, I really mean it this time. And I'm not just talking about uh, sensuality or, you know, obviously Sex in the City is in the name. Going to be a mature <laughs> show. But we're, we have some sensitive issues that we're going to be talking about today. And if you're not open for mature conversations, about sensitive issues don't listen to this episode please we warned you do me a favor and just sit this one out if if you're not up for maybe talking a little politics a little little sensitive issues it's happening and uh, we're gonna do it it's gonna be super fun and i am film critic rachel wagner and Jax is here hey rachel hey everybody yes and i uh i'm so grateful to you for for doing this show with me and talking about these uh, episodes with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I am too. I feel like doing the show has really deepened our friendship and we're very yeah. open and honest with each other. And um, it's great that a podcast can do that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I really do. I think it's made me a better person and, and uh, that's, that's all you can expect out of stuff in life. Right? That's right. <laughs> yes. Probably. Well, <laughs> yeah. So it starts with episode 10. And this is definitely, I would say, the most bro-tastic episode we've ever had on the show. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it 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 all sort of there's there's a couple different plot lines that are happening, but one of the big ones is we have Steve has just had surgery for his testicular cancer. And uh, he uh, is only has one <laughs> now, uh, uh, and uh, and he's very insecure about it. Which, yeah, I mean, I guess is a thing. I mean that that uh, that men you know struggle with. I guess I don't know. <laughs> well, I thought this was really interesting because. I think your reaction to it is like, I guess they struggle with it. I don't know. It's kind of Miranda's like, okay, it's, <laughs> it's fine. You know, like yeah. you went through a really traumatic thing. I didn't know that this had that much to do with your identity as a man. And I have a lot of empathy for what Steve is going through and how it's affecting him. But I actually do think it's kind of sweet how Miranda is just like, no, you're still just as much of a man and it's great. Like, I don't think it's dismissive. I actually feel like it would make me feel better if I was in his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Samantha is just, she's just the worst with her jokes. And she says that the balls are to men, what purses are to women. <laughs> and they're, they're um, playing pool and she's talking about getting the balls in and like, it's the one more ball, only one ball. It's like, oh my gosh, she doesn't know, but she keeps sticking her foot in her mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess we all have something about our bodies that we feel insecure about that, you know, other people would be like, what, why, why do you, you know, why do you even care? Why does that matter? And we all have it. Uh, and some of us have a couple. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us more than one. Yeah, you're right. I, I remember I had this birthmark on my back that I was super self-conscious about. And then like, I, I got over it. Cause I was like, oh, well, no one notices or cares but me. But then one time when I was, it was in high school, I was at the pool and my, uh, 
my boyfriend's sister at the time was like, babe, is that a beetle on your back? <laughs> and I was like, oh no. So since then I'm, I'm, I'm still not over it. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Right. Yeah. When we all have something that we're embarrassed about or we wish was different. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I think for me, I'm not as insecure about my weight as maybe people might think, or maybe some other people, because I've always been the way that I am. It's, I think it's a lot harder for people that are skinny. Let's say you're skinny in college and then you have a couple of kids and then you, you know, then you're struggling. I think that's a lot harder than someone like me. That's basically been <laughs> about the same since I was 13, 12, 13 years old. Um, and so this is just how I've always looked and how I've always, I don't know, been, uh, I mean, with some degrees here and there fluctuations, but I've never been skinny. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> well, and that makes sense too. Like, I think that you're very like healthy and active. And I think that sometimes people, when maybe there's a weight change, um, they're also dealing with the fact that the way they move through the world feels yeah, different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me that you say that. Yeah. Uh, so they have this plot here with Samantha, with this guy, Richard Wright. Uh, and she, he's not wanting to hire her because she slept with his architect. Uh, and he wasn't, he doesn't want to get into that. And she says, how does your, per, how does your personal life, or how does my personal life affect your business? And the, I guess the one thing about this plot that I don't love is that I wish that she didn't end up in a relationship with Richard Wright. I feel like that kind of undermines her character in this situation that I, I, that I wish that, that she, her character just stayed as a powerful strong character and and didn't start the relationship i've never liked richard wright as a romantic for her so i agree with you completely um what i did love about this plot line though is it really i thought was a wonderful chance to see samantha so vulnerable when she gets to that elevator and she starts crying but then she pulls it together so fast i mean that's just like a chef's kiss acting moment i just thought it yeah. was so well and she says if i was a guy you would have shaken my hand bought me a scotch and given me a key to the office you know which i do think is true um, and i think it's interesting for samantha to be challenged on the show that's another reason why i kind of wish that it didn't end up in a relationship. I, I, I don't think that the show challenges her that much, you know, that most people are pretty accepting of her choices and, and, uh, and not that people shouldn't be accepting of her choices, but I think in the real world, someone like her would face a lot more Richard rights even now. And certainly in, in, in 2001, uh, would have received a lot more. I mean, pre me too. And pre, you know, the, they'd have, all, she'd have a lot more challenges to her, uh, way of life that she's chosen. And, uh, and I'm not saying that's good or right, but I think it's true. Yeah. I do think it is 
And of course it's a TV show and that furthers the plot. So like fine, go yeah. with it. But it is totally wild and unrealistic that he would tell her that that's the reason why. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see, I could absolutely see that being a factor, but I, no man in their right mind, no person in their right mind would admit to that. Because yeah. even, even pre me too, that was still something that would be like, well, that's screwed up. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, that it would all just be uh, kept under the under the rug. I mean, she kind of forces it out of him in a way, but but even then, he probably wouldn't. He would just say, you know, you're just not right for the job or whatever it might be, um, or we're going with someone else. They don't even have to give a reason. No, you know, if they don't want. Um, the, the part that really fell flat to me in this episode is this whole big and Aiden thing. I don't know about you, but the, the idea that Carrie expects them to be friends is just ridiculous. I mean, Rachel, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, lately we're on a Carrie is the worst streak. And (laughs) I was watching this, my fiance, Alex, and he, he isn't. I mean, he's familiar with it, but yeah. doesn't really know all the intricacies of the plot. And I explained that Carrie had cheated on Aiden the first time around with Big and, yeah. that, and that they all know. And he was just like, his head was exploding. <laughs> and same for me too. I'm like, this is wild. I don't even think like, if I was away for a weekend with my partner at their like upstate country house, whatever, yeah. away. Yeah. Even if a friend of mine, like say a female friend that I've had no past um, romantic history with was dealing with a breakup, I would have to really be like, can I please have her up? And I would really, you know, sweetly frame it. But your ex-boyfriend that you cheated on your current partner with, I mean, it's bonkers. Yeah. And not even like a, like we've talked about before, like a one-time dalliance. This is like a prolonged affair. I mean, to expect not only for them to be in the same place is asking a lot, but, but for, for them to like, she thinks that they should be friends is just crazy. It's so to me, it's not a ridiculous thing to ask of big, but it's, I mean, it's just, it's cruel to ask it of Aiden. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I know like that doesn't work because it takes two to tango, but what I will say though is even though it's utterly absurd, it does make for me some kind of fun TV. <laughs> well, yeah, so they get into a fight. And uh yeah, he comes up there. Well, first Aiden answers the phone to to Big, and he's all big is all upset about this whole thing with Willow. And it just falls so flat. It's so hard to believe that this this person who's been divorced so many times that he would become this like man baby because of is it just because she's famous that seems to be the only reason that we've gotten well and to be honest with the amount of like power and privilege big has and the way he is in new york society and how connected i'm shocked that this is the first celebrity he's dated right well yeah and we've seen him with at least models before but yeah, I mean, it's just weird. I, I mean, I, I've never been a 
like celebrity person. I was just not, that's just not how my brain works. Like I've never been someone who has like posters of, of people on my walls or anything like that. The closest that I ever had to anything like that was actually my sister. (laughs) So my, my dad had a a friend who, who was in the business of making those like life-size cutout things you know, that you can buy. Right. Yeah. And so my sister bought like the whole star Wars collection or whatever. There were like at least a half dozen of, and she had them lining her hallway into her room. (laughs) And so you walk by and there's like Han and Leia and stormtrooper and Vader and whatever. You have a photo of this? You have to post it. I don't know. I'll have to ask her. She has a photo yeah we had those cutouts (laughs) anyway that's the closest that I got to doing any because my brother was would tease me about stuff like there's no way that I uh would have ever had anything like that growing up and there's nothing wrong with it it just wasn't me and so the idea of like becoming this um just a weak man like this puddle of a human because of this movie star just isn't doesn't make sense to me again especially when you're thinking of big and how confident he usually is yeah I think it's so interesting that he keeps repeating that phrase about like she could always reach me but I can never reach her like that's you and every other relationship big like, how does it feel to have, you know, the shoes on the other foot now? Yeah. Well, and so Aiden says, we're middle-aged men. We don't make friends. We have nothing in common, which is true. They don't have anything in common. She says, and Carrie says, you have me in common. And if you and Aiden don't at least become a little friendly, I'm not going to be able to stay in your life. You're a guy. He's a guy. There's the ball figured out. And that's when they get in their fight, <laughs> which was fun. I agree. Which was fun. I mean, mud, seeing big out of his element, that's all good to me. I think that I was at least proud of Carrie and that's saying something because she's a mess in this episode, but I was at least proud of her for saying to big, I can't be in your life if you don't figure out how to be around my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I, I just think the idea that they will be friends is just not realistic it's not going to happen i i again they don't have anything in common and what they do have in common her is not a good thing no and look if he was just a regular ex that she hadn't cheated with do i agree that it would be a little bit far-fetched still yes but i could see her feeling like she's entitled to make that request you know what I mean like some people you really want to see in your life even if you're not romantically connected yeah. with, but with like you said not a one-time dalliance a period of cheating it's just not cool we'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode and that is the Hallmarkies Patreon do you love Hallmarkies podcast do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies Podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. 
You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell, Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. Also, doesn't Big have a driver? They have a car. Why? Why? I mean, they obviously had to do it this way in order for the whole conflict of him staying over and everything. But I know we've seen him with a driver on multiple occasions. So why couldn't he have just had his driver take him to... Especially that didn't make I agree that didn't make any sense at all. And then he says he's gonna call his driver and she's like, Well, your driver will have to come all it just didn't make sense. Yeah, and yeah. we just need to see big get drunk <laughs> off his oh. rocker. Oh yeah, it was it was not my favorite plot line, even though it was funny. You're right, it was kind of funny. But uh I did like I think probably my favorite part of the conversation or the episode was the conversation that they had about women being emotional uh, because, you know, Richard Wright says, you know, you're just getting emotional. And, uh, and, uh, and then Charlotte says she cried one time and from, for 10 years, it's, Oh, don't, don't make Charlotte cry. Don't, you know, and, and that is a true thing. And I, I, I'm a little torn on one hand because I do think, that women are more emotional than men. And I think that's a good thing. I think we need it. And I don't think men and women are the same. And I don't like it when people pretend that we are and not that all women are the same and all men are the same, but there are differences between the genders. That's, that's a thing. I mean, that's why people that are, that's why people that are trans know that they're trans because they're not in the correct gender. Like there's a difference between the two. And, uh, and so I, I think that it's, it's an interesting situation because yes, there are differences. Should we be defined by those differences? And also is that necessarily bad if we're getting emotional? Why is that a sign of weakness uh, you know, that, that we should want, even in our business relationships for there to be heart, for there to be emotion. So I don't know. I, I kind of, I think it's an interesting conversation to have that, especially, you know, 2001, uh, where things weren't as evolved in the work world as hopefully they're getting now improving, but I don't know. What do you think about all that? Well, I didn't want to interrupt, but what I wanted to say during it was like, preach. I, like, <laughs> I, I echo all those sentiments. And, and I think that, um, I mean, I don't want to repeat everything, but I just think every point you hit was so spot on. And um, ultimately, I do think that like, I'm a very emotional person. And I think that's, one of my greatest strengths. And yeah. I think that yeah. what you're saying about this with women in the workplace like this, I think that can be celebrated. And um, especially it's not like, you know, when Charlotte's talking about it, just take her, for example, it's not like she's busting into hysterical tears every day. It's because she's so passionate about something that it moved her to tears at one point. That doesn't 
make her any less able to do her job in an amazing way. So yeah, I completely agree. And I think that it's a really interesting discussion to have that it's, it's um, yeah, those differences between genders are things that yes, not all men and women are the same or people that are non-binary, but it's those, those differences are really important. And that's sort of what makes the whole world go round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because you become emotional doesn't mean that you're not going to do the job as well. Sometimes you do it better. Sometimes you may need help and assistance. And I, I, I think that it's just a part of who you are as a human and that should be celebrated within the workplace. Uh, and I, I, I think it's not good for men to be forced to never share emotions and it's not good for, certainly not good for women. That's for sure. Mm-mm. And can you imagine if it was reframed and we heard people saying, Oh, he's not emotional enough in the workplace. Yeah. Like, that could be a thing too. Like, I think it's also like, don't force it if it's not there, but we've, in our society, it's like the, the traits that are, you know, characteristically, characteristically masculine mm-hmm. are usually given like praise and accolades and some of the more female traits are um, not, but I yeah. love being a woman. <laughs> we should want people to be, you're at your job, you're at your job seven hours a day, at least, and sometimes more like 10, 12. And if you can't be honest and emotional, then that's a lot of your life that you're pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. And that's just not a good way to live. Like, is it good to be just like flying off the handle at every last thing? No, of course not. But uh, it's part of being a fully fledged human is to be able to express emotion. Well, and Samantha points that out too, that like, if a guy gets angry, he's Mm -hmm. passionate. But if a woman is angry about something, which is the exact same emotion that's coming out in very often the same type of way she's villainized for. Yeah, no, that's really true. That's why I've, I've always said that I think it'll be almost impossible for a woman to end up winning, uh, for president, becoming president, unless the vice, unless she's vice president and the president dies. And it's not because I don't think women are qualified. Of course I do. But I think the problem is, is that you have this thing where well, if they're too, if they're too kind, if they're too soft-spoken, if they're too whatever, then that's, they're not tough enough. They're not strong enough. They're not whatever. But if they're too tough, if they're too strong, if they're too, oh, then they're, you know, a bewitch or, you know, whatever you want to say, like you're either the prom queen or the, uh, or the, uh, pantsuit, you know, wearing, uh, and, and, and that's never a problem. You never hear, uh, candidates that are men, uh, you know, like asked about their home life and their, uh, you know, family, uh, whether the family is going to be a distraction or, you know what I mean? Like things like that. You never hear that. You never hear about, uh, uh, you never hear about the, uh, you like the emotional state of, you know, or is somebody too much of a jerk? You, 
you rarely hear that in any kind of analysis of a, of a man. And uh, so it's, it's a problem. Uh, and I, I don't think it, I don't know. I'm very pessimistic of it being solvable. Unfortunately. Um, if you had, if we had talked about this a few years ago, I would have been way more optimistic, but I'm, I'm right <laughs> with you. I think we're further from it than um, I would like to think we are, yeah. but yeah, I, I mean, I really think the only way is if, like, if somebody were to, a president were to pass away with a vice president female, then, then obviously we would have it. But I, I just, I don't know, just because of these stereotypes that continue on, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would take an exceptional candidate at least. And, uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and, uh, let's see what else we, we do the uh that aiden says he's like the green hornet and he can beat batman <laughs> the biggest batman that was pretty funny that was cute and then the car pulls up and carries like it's the bat yeah yeah and i think it was i forget who uh if it was samantha or who was it said that oh he's like the he's the green lantern and he's like no 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 it's the green hornet <laughs> And all the the big listening to New York State of Mind that kind of was funny. I thought <laughs> he's just so. It is. I think he's funny in this episode. I mean, I'm mad at Carrie <laughs> and kind of mad at Big for what they're doing to Aiden, but it's funny. Yeah, I also hated the whole time when Carrie is wearing that. She's wearing like a black bra with a white uh, tank over it. I just thought it was I just didn't care for it I thought it was also curious outfit to wear when your ex-boyfriend is coming I don't I get yeah I it didn't it just didn't feel right (laughs) yeah it didn't I didn't like it um yeah and we also have Trey getting super upset with Charlotte uh of the infertility treatments and i do think that probably charlotte jumped into this too quickly but that does seem kind of a pro with her personality uh that she just wants to kind of get things done and i think she probably would have been wise to kind of feel the marriage out a little bit more before all of a sudden like not only trying to have a child but the infertility, which is so stressful, uh, the infertility treatments and things, but he's very sensitive about it. He's very sensitive about getting tested. All of that is, he's very resistant to it. Yeah. You know, I definitely agree with you that she could have kind of pumped the brakes a little. I think what is hard to watch about Trey is that we see again, that his own insecurities prevent him from being able to talk about issues in any real way. And they make him really defensive and that's upsetting to have to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So what would you give this episode one to 10? Um, this was one of those that even though parts of it, I didn't enjoy as much as I have in other episodes, like it's just such a masterclass in writing and putting scenes together when every situation has to do with a ball or balls. Yeah. But it's <laughs> and it's funny how it, 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 they're able to make that work. And they do that in every episode. Like they, they, it is such a good show. I would say though that this one, because of it getting under my skin about um, 
what Carrie's doing. I was giving a 7.5. That's exactly what I planned. We also, so at the end, uh, Miranda decides to be with Steve to make him feel better. So that that's how it ends. So yeah, I agree. 7.5 is exactly what I was thinking. Um, all right. The next episode is uh, got a lot of landmines. So uh, <laughs> we're, talk we're trying. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I, we get the opening where it says life sometimes in life, sometimes we find ourselves at a crossroads. And in New York, that tends to be busy and loud. So <laughs> Miranda finds out she's pregnant and she says, he has only one ball and I have a lazy ovary in what twisted world does that create a baby? It's like the special Olympics of conception. <laughs> that line made me laugh so hard. That was really good. <laughs> and I also loved both of the dresses they were wearing in this scene. She has like a colorful v-neck uh, dress with like a band a striped band along uh, in, uh along the waist and then carrie was wearing a black dress that i thought was very pretty and yeah that good. dress wasn't very miranda but i loved it on her yeah, it looked really good especially with her you know red hair and everything and so so miranda is uh considering giving up the baby she says she's not having the baby um, and here's a, a thing that I want to say is that there are two things. One is I think the most important factor in gauging a story about characters that may do things that I don't necessarily agree with um, is does it make sense for the character that I'm watching, whether movie or, or, or TV? is doesn't make sense for who they are and what does it have to say about their story? Um, because I don't need the characters in the things that I watch to make the same choices as me. Almost no movies and television make the same choices as I do. You know, how many, how many, uh, how many, you know, movies do you see out there about Mormon podcasters? Not many, uh, but change that. <laughs> I'm available. Um, no, I, and so that's, what's important to me. And I think that sometimes particularly conservatives can isolate themselves in a, an echo chamber of like-minded voices and think that it is a way of sort of morally protecting themselves. Right. And, and I understand that not everybody's going to want to watch sex in the city because of the content. I get that. Um, uh, but I think it's dangerous if you only are hearing stories about people who make the same choices as you. I, and so I think it's important actually to listen to people's stories. And I, cause in, I, I need to be confident in my own views and my own ideas. Um, and I need to have some degree of malleability to those views when I hear other people's stories. Um, and so yes, I am in general pro-life, but I don't have a problem hearing a story about somebody who decides to have an abortion. That's their story. And I'm interested to hear what they have to say. So, I mean, I've been a big fan of dirty dancing my whole life and that's got a character that has an abortion in the movie. Um, I'm not offended by that that's her story. 
it's not done in a callous or light way. It's not a joke. And it feels real to that situation that that person would make that choice. And why does she make this choice? And let's think about what factors we could maybe help mitigate uh, and help and, and how can we be kind to those people? So that's kind of what I want to say. I think it's important to have your, to both, does the story work for the characters that we're talking about? And also, are you open to hearing people's stories? Uh, and uh, so anyway, that's what I wanted to say at the outset. No, I mean, and Rachel, number one, like, thank you for sharing that, because I think that if we're talking about the the political aspects of all this, there are so many problems with um, many people being reluctant to have compassion or hear other people's stories in in just every way. (laughs) So I think that, um, and and number two, what you're talking about where how the characters handle things, even though this is a comedy and a lot of the conversation around this topic is light or humorous, I do appreciate that this episode handles it with also a certain degree of gravity and the characters themselves are actually, um, while they are confident in their own beliefs, I think there's some struggles that they're having within themselves as well. And they're exploring that. And I think that that kind of nuance in the way that we talk about this and approach the situation is so important for us to actually get to where I think most people want to be. I think a lot of us are a lot closer about this um, topic than we might realize. Yeah. You know, and that was interesting because we were talking off uh, off air uh, this weekend as we were thinking about you know this this episode and what we we're going to say and as we discussed we we're like we're actually pretty close yeah. on this issue <laughs> and it, as the more the more that we talked which was it was interesting to see and I think that that's so often the case is that politicians and uh, rhetoric will make it feel like we're a million miles away when actually if we have discussions and we care about people, we're, we're not, you know, and, and, and I know that, that these issues are very passionate and people feel very strongly about it. And I, I, I understand that. Uh, but all I can say is that as somebody who is in general advocating for life and advocating for the protection of the unborn, I don't have a problem hearing other people's stories and other people's point of view. Yeah. And I think, I think that if we did more of that, we'd have a lot of empathy for different kinds of situations that I think a lot of times now it's like people think of everything as in black and white, and they don't actually look at what each person's story is or each situation and there's so yeah. many complexities within that, which is why, like, it's such a difficult time well, right and, now. And it encourages these laws that are just like black and white as well. And so then everybody's kind of like, ooh, that's not what I want. That's not what I meant. And, <laughs> yeah. and then, of course, oh. other people are upset because, uh, I don't know. So it's just a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. And I don't and- have the answers, but 
No, I mean, and that, and I think that's what's upsetting now too, is I think that there are so many things that are happening that like we, we also aren't focusing on, you know, taking care of our children in the proper way when they are born. And like, there's just so many, so many things that are happening that I think that a lot of really, and this is, I mean, I think we were really resonating offline with a lot of really powerful people. I think sometimes make laws for their own self gain and they're not actually thinking about um, making the world a better place. So I think that if more people um, outside of the political arena, uh, we all have to be doing as much as we can to um, make the world a better place and a safer place. Yeah. But I, I would just to kind of wrap this part of the uh, thing up, I would encourage my conservative friends to be more open to hearing people's stories. I think it's a big mistake if you stay in your echo chamber and, uh, and that's all you hear is people that have had the same life experiences as yourself. So I, I would say and, that. And actually, I'm going I'm to go ahead and say, I would encourage my liberal friends <laughs> to do the same. Yeah. <laughs> because I, Rachel, I totally agree with you. Like uh, the echo chamber, if we're all just listening to, yeah, I mean, it's just really being open is difficult, but if you do it, it's, it's really rewarding. Yeah, I think yeah. it was one of the things you were talking about the, 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 uh, the portrayals here in this episode is that you see how nervous Carrie is about telling Aiden about her abortion that she had and, uh, and the way that even when she finally decides to do it, she still is continually not lying, correcting her lies. She does it like three times. She was like, I was only 18, uh, 20, 22, you know, kind of thing. And she is not an insecure person. She's not somebody who is, you know, nervous or, uh, or scared to talk about things normally. I mean, she's pretty much an open book with her column and everything. And uh, so the fact that this is the thing that she is insecure about, I think says a lot. Yeah. And, and it's interesting how, you know, these four women, who are actually um, very similar. They're all white, um, upper class yeah. women living in New York with a lot of privilege. Like, let's be clear. So these yeah. are very particular stories. But even those four women have very differing views on this. Too. Like, Samantha is very comfortable with it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I can totally understand and see how she would feel that way. And, and, and then Carrie was comfortable enough to know that she made the right choice for her, but does have some guilt about it. Yeah. So it's very, it's very interesting to watch them all explore that. Yeah. Yeah. And so Miranda, you know, struggling also, there's just this conflict because Charlotte wants to have a baby. I mean, it's the ultimate irony, you know, here, Miranda doesn't want to have a baby. She gets pregnant. Charlotte wants to have a baby, can't get pregnant. You know, it's like God has a sense, a weird sense of humor sometimes. (laughs) Well, and they're sitting at that, at the brunch and Charlotte's like, what's with the eyes? What's with the eyes, Miranda? And, you know, then, I mean, I had empathy for both of them here. Miranda doesn't want to be pregnant and she feels that's a stressful thing. I mean, I've never been pregnant, but I, 
have had friends who have been pregnant who didn't want to be. And I know that it's incredibly stressful. And I also know not for myself, but for friends who've been trying to get pregnant that can't, that is incredibly stressful. So it's just, it's terrible timing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that would be a tough thing for a friendship. And I, I feel like of these, of these four, Charlotte is the one that's kind of the most on the outs. Like, I feel like the strongest bonds are usually between Carrie and Miranda and Carrie and Samantha. Um, and then Charlotte's always the one that I feel like is the most judged and the most usually not as part of the group as the, as, as the others. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. And I think that's interesting because while I do think that sometimes that is warranted because Charlotte can be a little bit judgmental, Miranda is way more judgmental than Charlotte. Does, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. Sometimes it fits because Charlotte may not be able to hold space for others in the way that like, I think Carrie and Samantha are very good at not being very judgmental about anything. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Charlotte does always feel like she's on the outs a little. And ha- have we ever heard the backstory with Carrie and Charlotte, how they become friends? No, I don't think we have. I feel recollection. Yeah. Because uh, that would be interesting to know how maybe when we when we eventually watch the Carrie Diaries, we'll find out. <laughs> Which is the prequel show, if people didn't know. Uh, but um, I'm excited to watch that one. I've never watched it. Yeah, me either. I think it's gonna be fun. Uh, so Samantha is uh, having lunch with Lucy Liu. She's kind of promoting herself to be the PR rep of Lucy Liu. But there's this Birkin bag that's five thousand dollars that uh, has a waiting list. Uh, Samantha really wants and so she puts it down for Lucy Liu and uh, Lucy picks up the Birkin and uh, Samantha's like it was mine and (laughs) this this Lucy takes it takes the bag (laughs) number one I love Lucy Liu so I love and I love seeing celebrities and sex in the city play themselves I think it's really fun Um, I also read this awesome book about four or five years ago, I think it's about 10 years old, but it's called The Primates of Park Avenue. And it's about very rich women living on the Upper East Side. And there's like a whole two chapters on Birkins. It's a really interesting character study that this woman acted like she was studying them and from an like anthropological point of view but then she realized she was one of them like she was living that lifestyle so I just love seeing that in here I'm always fascinated to do deep dives into this kind of stuff yeah I mean everybody has their thing that's that uh somebody will look at and be like what you know like whether it's sneakers or or purses or you know once you of course have obviously this privilege but like I feel like some people might say, wow, you go out to eat a lot or like somebody might be really shocked that I would go to like New York and go to see seven Broadway shows and be like, what? That's crazy. You know, or, or whatever it might be, like, it's easy to judge other people for their luxury item for lack of a better word. But I do find it just amazing because I don't know, it's not even that attractive of a purse in my opinion. Hey, here's the thing with like, with like the, the idea of the Birkin and the Birkin to me, I, um, 
I've noticed like that, like there's a difference to me between a purse that costs like 10 or $15. And then one that is like more, because I rent my purses from rent the runway. So I don't keep them, but I rent them. And like, uh, which is great because they're super expensive. So you just give them back. But there's such a difference between like a $350 bag and like a $10 and $15 one. However, like a $5,000 bag and now Birkins are going for like 12,000. I kind of just don't get that. Like my $350 bag that I'm renting is really nice. And I can't imagine it being any nicer. <laughs> yeah, no, so I don't that, get that's that. a good point. I mean, my bags, I, I've, I, I've used, it's actually called Bagu is the name of the bag that I love. And the key for me is I have to have something I can put over my shoulder. It cannot be a clutch because I just, I need that security of like, otherwise I'll set it down and then I'll, where is it? Where did I put it? Oh no. You know? And so I, 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 I need it to be over my shoulder. Um, and bagus are like 20 bucks. <laughs> are they, can you put a lot in them? Oh yeah. They're nice okay. and big. Uh, you can even, some people use them as like they're they have re like reusable shopping bag type baggies and then there's like actual purses uh which are more like i think like 30 dollars but that's my style and they have all different kinds of designs i have like three of them and <laughs> no birkins <laughs> no birkins <laughs> but um, i have one nice kate spade bag that I got in, it actually is a clutch. I mean, I got it years ago. I only use it for like formal settings or whatever that I got at H and uh, not H and M um, at the uh, basement um, in uh, New York. Uh, Eileen's basement, I think is what it's called. I don't know if it's still there, but anyway, it's, uh, it was, it was a really great price. It was a great, great deal on a Kate Spade. Um, and that's the bag that I'm renting now that I'm obsessed with. It's a oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's, they're, she's great. She makes great bags or they make great bags. Yeah. Yeah. Filene's basement. That's what it's called in New York city. Filene's oh. basement. Um, I think it's still there. Maybe. I don't know. Enough, it is. Cause maybe I could afford to buy it. Then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, they, I guess they have 20 standalone stores. <laughs> But you can get great deals at Filene's Basement on designer stuff. And that's where I got my Kate Spade bag. Uh, but like I said, I only use it when I'm, you know, something nice, something fancy that I'm going to or doing. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think everybody has their thing that they at least, if they don't have them, they want to have them. Exactly. Yeah. And, but a 5k on a, on a, when you can buy a car for the same as a purse. I don't know. Well, I, I, I also think aside, and this is what was difficult about this plot line with the Birkin. It's like, in addition to it being expensive, which, you know, she can afford. And I think that's great. Treat yourself with the wait list. She had to just like lie and compromise her career. And that's when I was like, girl, no. Mm-hmm. Like, do not say it's for Lucy. Yeah, that was a pretty unprofessional look for Samantha. And I mean, and that word is going to spread amongst the Hollywood celebrity people, you know, that aren't going to want to work with her. She does that kind of stuff. Gets pretty flashy. Well, 
what do you think about the whole part of the abortion conversation about telling the father? How do you feel about that? So this is difficult and this is something I've changed my mind about over the years, but I think in this instance where they are not together and look like, and and here's, here's the thing is Aiden makes a point. Like, is it fair? He's the dad too. But at the same time, like what is fair? Is it fair that women are are the the people that have the babies? Like there's, there's all this Mm -hmm. stuff with this. I think that in Carrie's instance, with with her abortion abortion I don't think that it was wrong not to tell the guy because, I think yeah because she goes and the guy doesn't even recognize her he doesn't remember it at all and obviously if she had told him then that would become they would be very important people in each other's lives uh, at least for that moment um and uh, so I think it it there's a case to be made in that situation I feel like I mean, even though technically, I guess Steve and Miranda aren't together, they have like an existing friendship that uh, has been extended for a long, it's very different situation than what Carrie uh, was going through. And so I do feel like it's a mistake to not tell Steve. You know, it's one of those things that do I feel like he's absolutely entitled to know? And is it wrong that she doesn't tell him? No, I think that is her right. However, I'm sort of surprised that she doesn't because like you're saying, they had this, they've just gone through um, her mother's funeral together, his treatment for testicular cancer. Like I'm surprised she wouldn't even want his help through it because knowing Steve, whatever choice she decides to make, he's going to support her 100%. Yeah. And I think it's definitely wrong to bring Aiden into the situation. So then he has to keep a secret from, uh, from Steve. And, and that's the other thing too, is now so many people know when you're talking about Samantha, Charlotte, Aiden, you know, the list is getting longer. And so the, the, the likelihood is, is he's going to find out somehow, some way from somebody else. And that is worse than, if she, there's no situation where that, where that's not worse than her telling him. Oh, 100%. And this is another classic Carrie blabbermouth situation. (laughs) I know that he's your partner and I think you should be able to confide in your partner about things that are bothering you and difficult things. However, because Aiden knows Steve, like you said, Rachel is putting him in an impossible and unfair position. Yeah. 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 And I mean, Charlotte gets frustrated. She says, uh, you know, you can just sit here and have your abortion talk, which is, which is rough. Like I understand, like, I do appreciate this. This show does not have perfect characters. You know, people say rude things. People are mean people mean, and that helps you to become invested because you have flawed characters. And this is definitely a flawed moment for Charlotte of, her feeling vindictive and feeling frustrated and letting it out on Miranda. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how Miranda could have handled it better. Um, I I don't know. I think that it was difficult to see Charlotte so upset. I understand why she's upset. 
but yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a vindictive and petty moment for her. Yeah. Uh, and, but an understandable one, which again makes like understandable in the sense of if I, if, if you are struggling with infertility and this happens with your friend and your friend's getting abortion, that would be hard. And I think a lot of people would say things that they regret in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not defending it. It's just, I understand why she was weak in that moment. Yeah. And well, we're not there yet, but at the end, it made me feel better about everything with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that it wasn't just like I think Charlotte just wants a baby so bad and she always has and yeah. you know it's such a struggle for her and I think it's really hard for her to have empathy at this point yeah. for someone yeah. else who doesn't want that here's the question do you have a scary age that you're like oh oh no that's old because um, evidently uh Samantha's Samantha's is 43 and Carrie's is 45. <laughs> okay. Do you have one? I don't, cause I don't want kids. So I don't think I think, and not that oh, they, yeah. I don't really have a scary. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of in when Harry met Sally, when, when, when Sally's like, and I'm going to be 40 in, in six years, but it's there. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Meg Ryan is everything. It's there. And now I am, I'm 41 for goodness sakes. Um, so no, I don't have a scary age. I passed the scary age. Well, it's interesting that you say that though. I had a, I do not know why, but I have a really, really tough time turning 30. Mm -hmm. And I, so I dealt with it in a really healthy way and just lied about it and told (laughs) her birthday party. And so I didn't tell the truth. No, I actually agree with you. I think 30 was a lot harder than 40. Um, because when I turned 30, I didn't really have much to show for my life. That's how I felt at least at the time. You know, I, I, I hadn't been married. I had never really had hardly any relationships. I, I didn't have, a, didn't have a career. I was proud of just like nothing. Um, it's how I felt. And then it, but at 40, I had the podcast. I had uh, my own home. I I just had way more to kind of show for my life than I had it. I mean, I was on Rotten Tomatoes. There were just way more kind of accomplishments that I could say uh, by forty than at thirty. So at forty, I felt kind of good, um, even though it was you know maybe a little sad that uh, I you know I didn't have a family. I guess that I would have liked, but. What are you going to do? Yeah, I think we can agree that 30, I remember being like, I just gotten out of like a long-term relationship. I was, I was a mess. So like, I, let's, let's just never feel like you have to feel good about that. Yeah. (laughs) So Charlotte brings Miranda flowers and it it was a good moment because again, I like the fact that this show has complex characters. You have Charlotte having a weak moment. She doesn't behave the way that she should which is human and we all have weak moments. Um, but you know, she, she makes up, she says she's sorry. And, uh, and she brings flowers and that's when Miranda says like, she's keeping the baby. Um, so, and then I loved the, the, uh, the whole group saying we're having a baby and, and the three ants were formed. That was so sweet. I cried. So uh, 
this time when I watched it and the first time when I watched it, when you just, you're not sure how, I'm emotional now thinking about it. You're not sure how Charlotte's going to react. Yeah. And if there's going to be jealousy or what there's going to be, but the, when she has tears in her eyes and she says, we're having a baby, it's just, oh, oh my goodness. And yeah, an episode that is difficult to watch for so many reasons it's just so nice that they're all going to come together and be each other's family yeah yeah i agree it was really nice and then we also had the kind of fun moment when steve's at carrie's apartment and surprises her because <laughs> he's there with aiden <laughs> and he's all asking about miranda and everything like that and just- when i did i did love this part with uh I thought Sarah Jessica Parker was super funny in this scene mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Aiden in the bathroom where she's like did you tell him it's fine I mean I can't keep a secret either <laughs> yeah. true I also loved this scene with with Samantha when she's like well I never used the f word and then, <laughs> and then Lucy leaves and she's just like go it was so good. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> so even though this, this episode did kind of give me panics about how the heck am I going to podcast about this? It was a good episode. Yeah. I, I think, and I also think it's a pretty um, iconic episode. Yeah. The coulda, woulda, shoulda. Like, I think we all think about things that we would have done differently. Um, yeah. What would you give this? Um, I'm going to give it and 8.5 yeah it's very iconic sex in the city and the the end it's another one of these moments with the core four that just solidifies that they're each other's friends family soulmates and now they're going to be aunties to what you know baby Brady. Yeah. yeah we'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast it's the hallmarkies merch store are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. The last episode is Just Say Yes. And uh, basically Carrie finds out that her building is going co-op and so she's going to have to move. But then Aiden suggests that he could buy the apartment and then she could pay rent to him. This seems like a terrible idea to me. Yeah. (laughs) It does not seem like a smart move. No, I think (laughs) there's just so much wrapped up in there that like, with power dynamics where Aiden would own it and she's paying rent, but also it was her apartment to begin with. Again, we're talking about navigating minefields here. I think that there's just a lot of potentially problematic things in there for the two of them. Yeah. Uh, We also have Carrie finding a ring in Aiden's stuff. Uh, And not only is she kind of shocked because she didn't think they were at that spot, uh, but, uh, she hates the ring. 
Yeah. Again, I don't know how do you, did you it, your your ring is part family heirloom, right? Yeah, it's it's a a stone from Alex's grandma, a stone from my mom, and then a, a stone that he he got that um, was um, from inheritance sale. Uh, so, like, I didn't know what it was going to look like, though. But I, I, not that I mean, I care because I think it's beautiful and it symbolizes like our families coming together. But I, I can't imagine like Carrie being like. I don't know. Not that it's superficial. You have to like what you're going to wear. I just thought it felt a little. Yeah. Like she was thinking about the wrong things. Well, it is surprising if Miranda helped him, why she wouldn't have guided him to something different. I'm not sure why Miranda saw that and thought that's the ring for Carrie. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, she basically just wants a pretty basic uh princess cut diamond ring whereas i think aiden wants you know something with a little more personality a little bit more um and uh, but she hates the ring and i mean that's tricky that's why i don't think that i don't really think it's a good idea to have the proposal be a surprise and people probably listening that it had to be a surprise and it worked out great are probably oh no it's great but <laughs> i don't know i think it's our it's a risk. I mean, I feel like at the very least people should be like, okay, I, I knew this was coming or I saw it coming or we're at that spot. If it's a, if it's like truly a surprise, that's probably not the best thing. I, I agree in the sense that like my actual proposal was a total surprise and I loved that. But like, I mean, we'd been talking about getting married like, yeah. for a year and a half. And I think that as we are, like, I think we're growing as a society that it's not just something that like, you know, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, it's not something that just like happens to the woman. Like you make a decision together. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I totally agree with you. And they had not made this decision together. Like Rachel, they hadn't even talked about marriage, had they? No, they hadn't even talked about uh, moving in together or, I mean, they had just started dating again yeah again and they still have so much baggage from it's probably a mistake um i do think that the fashion in this episode was super good uh one of the best i think we've ever had i loved she has this rainbow dress at the beginning uh with uh spaghetti straps and a um uh like a a, a diamond waist that was That's really so cute and then uh, I really liked her black sparkly um, sleeveless dress that she uh, she wears to the date. I thought that was really good. And then I also really loved she had on a, a orange and blue outfit, blue top, orange uh, striped, um, a diagonal striped uh, skirt. I thought that looked great on her. And, you know, I always like Sarah Jessica Parker in bold colors. I think that's looks the best on her. Uh, And I don't know, I just love that. And and then I loved Charlotte's dress at the Scottish fling. I thought that was great. Uh, So it was just a really good, I thought, fashion episode. Yeah, they're firing all cylinders in this one, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So Charlotte is not only doing the infertility treatments with the injections, which are affecting her 
personality and she, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. I don't know if you've known people that are going through that, but it's tough yeah. and, and, and so- it has a, you know, pretty low success rate and it's very difficult. Um, and, uh, and then she's also put, uh, them on the list for the Mandarin baby, uh, which of course we see later on, uh, that kind of dream, uh, becomes a reality later on with Lily, but, um, uh, but it's a lot. I mean, I can understand, I guess, Trey's perspective in this, that it's a lot to throw at a person all at the same time. Definitely. I can understand Trey's perspective, but I just think bunny is vile. Yeah, no, that's true. And their relationship is just so weird with her watching him bathe and I don't know, stuff like that. It's very weird. Mm-mm-mm. And she's so set on Charlotte producing a male McDougal. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the sexism, the yeah. lack of empathy for what she's going through. I mean, just all of it. It's, it's infuriating to me. Yeah, it's, it's rough. And you think that her fixation on that would make Trey more invested in the whole process as well, because he is such a mama's boy. But uh, he just doesn't want to do it anymore after a while. He doesn't want, uh, he says, I'm exhausted. And she says, this is a, just a tough phase. And he says, I don't want to try. If it's the right thing, it'll happen. You and I will be enough. And that's when Charlotte kind of gives him this look like. Um, and he says, I could be happy with just the two of us, but I'm not sure you can, which I think is true. And Charlotte's always wanted to be a mom. I mean, I, this is one of the things when they talk about irreconcilable differences mm-hmm. that is truly irreconcilable. Like there are so many things that if you're committed to getting through in a marriage, you can, and with compromise and with hard work and um, whether it's therapy or prayer or counseling or, or whatever it may be, but Rachel, like, what do you do in this case? You know, if one person wants a kid and one person doesn't, you're kind of, yeah, there's no compromise on that. I feel like, but I also kind of wonder why he's so opposed to the Mandarin baby. Like he, I mean, she, she does say it's most likely a girl because that is the accurate that at the time it was girls that were being abandoned because they had a one child only policy in China and in Chinese culture, the, it was the male that carried on the family name. Um, there's a, you know, horrible saying in, in China that you know, raising a daughter is like watering another man's garden. And, uh, and wow. that was what was felt, uh, at least this is the perception that I, I understand. Uh, and uh, so there were a lot of Chinese babies uh, that which which <laughs> people could could adopt, um, but uh, but is it is that it or is it just he just doesn't want a baby from another culture or I'm not sure what his main objection to that was. Um, I know, and I think even though he doesn't say it in an overt way like his mom does, I think that he's of that mentality. Yeah, too. Yeah, she wants uh, he wants a boy. Um, so yeah, it's tough. It's tough for their relationship. And uh, and then we have uh, that 
Big says that also Carrie gets in the car with Big, uh, gets a ride. And Big says Aiden isn't the guy for her and she's not the marrying kind, which is weird. I mean, I mean, I guess he's the marrying kind. He can do it six times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and stay married, but he'll get married. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. He's really the marrying kind. I don't know. I, again, I hate this. I hate the way Big is so disrespectful to her and her relationship with Aiden. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we have Richard and Samantha on the plane. Like I said, I kind of wish they hadn't gone this relationship route for the two of them. I just think it would have been a more empowering storyline if, if Samantha had just stayed the powerful businesswoman and not gone that route. Yeah. And also like, just as a side note, I don't find Richard sexy appealing funny charismatic like to me so it's even harder like I guess if he was this sort of really alluring like man Mm -hmm. I can maybe be like oh fine like I don't want to like it but I do yeah he does seem like the kind of man though Samantha would be really into because we've seen it time and again that she's again I've said it many times she's not a hippie She's not like free love kind of sexual empowering person. Uh, She pretty much likes rich business type types like, uh, like this uh, Richard, right. Uh, Seems totally the kind of guy that she would be super into, but I don't know. I just think it makes the business side of it a little bit weaker for the storyline. And I just, it would have been cool for her to just, stay sort of empowered and not let the personal get in the way but um then we have they're walking pete and and real subtly uh aiden proposes uh to carrie she thinks it's gonna be like this big moment on the date and everything and it ends up being just walking the dog which was so sweet I really enjoyed it. And she sees that he got the princess ring like she wants. And uh, yeah, that was a great moment. She says, yes. Uh, Aiden is just a doll. I mean, I just thought it was the sweetest thing. He's, I don't know, down on his knee. So Mm -hmm. it's like the traditional thing, but it was so simple because they were walking the dog. And I just thought, it was cute. It's It's a pretty iconic moment. And she tells Samantha that she's engaged. It's cute. And Samantha is the one who helped Aiden with the ring, which is really cute. It is really cute. And she nailed it. Mm -hmm. And then we also see Steve with a ring and he has, he has the used ring. (laughs) Classic. Really funny. And, and, uh, and she's like, what are you doing? And he says, I want to help, which was so sweet again why steve is the best i mean i love that that was played for complete comedic effect he's like yeah. i don't know this is what i thought we should do because we're having a baby <laughs> you know it's just so cute like it really makes you wonder why did they think we didn't like steve did they focus group that like why did they do what they, they did were, they were so wrong though and now they know they were wrong yeah. because yeah. we all came out with pitchfork <laughs> <laughs> yes 
<laughs> I bet I bet the actor is like, okay, all right. I didn't know yeah. that was that <laughs> I think it's Steve Eigenberger. I think it's his name. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, is, so. we love you. David Eigenberger. Sorry. David yeah. Eigenberger. Yeah. Uh, we love you. <laughs> we love Steve. We, love, we want justice for you. And I think I'm hoping that in season two, we're going to see some. I hope so too. Uh, so yeah, this is a, I think a pretty good episode, like I said, even fashion wise. And also um, Charlotte, Charlotte says they're reproductively challenged, not barren. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. She loves to pre-frame things. And yeah, I'm she does. <laughs> Um, so what would you give this one? What do you think? I would also give this one 8.5. I really liked yeah. it. I also think it's pretty iconic with the proposal. Yeah, I do too. You? Yeah, I agree. Uh, there we go. That's it. Let us know what you think of these three episodes. Love to hear your thoughts in the comments and, uh, and on Twitter, let us know what you think at city girls pod and Jack's where can people find you? Jacqueline C tweets on Twitter and Jacqueline Collier on Instagram. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes to so check that out. Also, make sure you're following the podcast, a Homeworkies Pod and Homeworkies Podcast, all of our social media. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews five stars. We really appreciate it. And if you are watching on YouTube, please give this episode a thumbs up and uh, subscribe to the channel. We really appreciate that. And check out the patron group and merch store. We can get City Girls Pod merch on there. We would really, really, really appreciate it. And thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone.